Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, Friday edition, the hobby hustle. I'm loving these Friday conversations. This one's great. Mike Summer, a.k.a. Wax Pack Hero, comes through and we have a nice conversation just about his hobby history, Wax Pack Hero, how it started, and then his process for selling cards, which is super unique. And I think all of you will get value from it. I'm really excited to share that conversation. But first, can I ask you, if you like what you've been hearing on this show, hit that subscribe button, leave that five-star review. That's much appreciated. Definitely always find me on those social channels. Hit the follow button, slide into the DMs, say what's up. Love the community that's happening here on Stacking Slabs and everyone I'm engaging with. It's been a ton of fun. So sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation with Mike. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. I am really excited about this conversation today. So I talk a lot about being a collector first and having a passion around the hobby. And I think that's really important. And, you know, as we navigate the hobby and try to build out our our PC, we all have aspirations on how do we do creative things to fund that PC within the hobby. So I am really excited for today's guest because I would consider him an expert at that. And I have learned a ton from his strategies and ideas on how to buy and sell and trade lots, cards, sets, you name it. Um, today, I'm joined by Mike Summer of Wax Pack Hero. Mike, how are you doing this morning? I am doing well. It's a beautiful day here in July in central Illinois and getting ready to go into the 4th of July weekend. I am doing good. Yes, it is nice. I think we both were chatting before we hit record that it's always nice to have these long weekends at our disposal. And I'd have to ask just, is there any, do you have any card related things on the agenda for the extra day or two that you're taking? Uh, I've really spent the last couple of days sorting through my last collections, getting some things listed. Uh, I opened up some racing cards last night that I need to get listed. And then I spent some time this morning on sportlots.com buying a bunch of 70s hostess cards. I love that. And I all these cards that you bring to light and earth are some of the things that I've never seen or heard of, but I I always like see them, whether you talk about them on your podcast or sharing it on social media and I look it up, but I've got the hostess cards is something I'm going to have to take note of. I got to ask what, just with the racing cards specifically, have you paid attention or been looking at maybe just what's happened with Bubba Wallace recently with all of him being in the news? And that's something just, he's caught my eye and just, I've become a fan and just listening to him on interviews. Yeah. He, After all of that went down, his cards just started to fly and a lot of his inventory is getting cleaned out. And so I listed several. I went back through some of the the boxes that I had and found some more. And so I listed several more of his cards out there. But his popularity has really picked up strong over these last few weeks as a lot of this uh, stuff went down. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I never, it's funny where this hobby can take you because 
I'm a racing fan, but really hadn't thought about purchasing racing cards. But in light of listening to him and becoming a fan, I certainly have bought some Bubba Wallace Prism cards in the in the process. You talk a lot about just your collector, and I'm just fascinated by how you approach the the hobby. So I guess just let's talk about just being a collector. I think it's a unique thing, and I think my wife is looks at me and I collect records, I collect wrestling items, I collect cards. And I think finally she understands that it's just a piece of what makes me happy and what I do. Maybe talk about like, why, why do you collect and what collecting means to you? Yeah, I think for me, there's a big piece of it that is I've always been a sports fan. I always played sports growing up all through high school all through my my senior year. And what I found throughout that entire time was that cards in general gave me a connection to the game that I otherwise wouldn't have had. It, it connected me to the history of the sport and it provided kind of a tangible reminder that this event went on, this season went on, these players played in games. And so that was a big piece of collecting as a as a kid, especially, was that connection to the game, a connection to that player. Now as an adult, and I can go back and afford some of the the more vintage cards from the 70s and 60s and 50s even, it, it almost serves as another piece of history. It's hard to describe, but it means something to me getting this card from the 50s that's, even if it's creased and has rounded corners, knowing that 50, 60, 70 years ago, in, in some cases, there was a kid holding this card, playing with it in the bedroom, listening to that game on the radio as they held this card in their hands. And it's a tangible reminder of where the game has been and, and that there's been people all along the way for 50, 60, 70 years who have held that card in their hands and it's been a part of their lives. And I'm now adding to the story that's attached to this card. It's hard to describe. I don't know, but that's what stands out to me. That's one of the reasons that I really enjoy collecting and especially some of these, these older type sets. Yeah, no, it's, I struggle too, man. When people ask me like, and to describe it, it's, it's really hard, but I think it's just a myriad of factors, whether it's just history, the tangible item, the connection with the sports, with sports or players, it, it's all of it kind of brewing together that leads people like you and me and everyone who's listening to this show to be a collector at heart, which I think is uh, super cool. I think you, people might not realize this, but just in doing some research, listening to your podcast, you were a collector originally, maybe took a little hiatus and boomeranged back into the hobby like myself and a bunch of other people are doing right now. And maybe weren't really concerned about the value of cards, but just wanted the um, cards that you were fans of the players and attached to. So maybe talk about that since so much has changed. And I know the timeline varies for everyone, but maybe talk about that experience for you as you, you know, maybe took a little break from the the hobby at one point in your life and then you got back into it and how things have changed and how you navigated those changes in with a collector's mindset. Yeah, sure. So my start with collecting was 1986 and I collected pretty strongly baseball, basketball, football from 86 to about 96, around the time that I graduated high school. And at that point, I kind of took a break. I never got rid of all my cards, but I didn't really actively collect between probably 96, 97 
and 2015. And for whatever reason, late in 2015, I had stumbled across a banner ad, I think for Dave and Adam's Card World, right around Thanksgiving time. And they were having their, their Black Friday sales, big sales. And I said, oh, this was a lot of fun. You know, I've got some extra money now. I should go in and, and maybe pick up a couple boxes of cards and see what this is like. And so that was my return to the hobby in late 2015. I got those cards, opened them up, had a lot of fun doing it, found the local hobby shop in my town and started to build a relationship with him and, and started to buy some of the new 2016 baseball products as they started to come out. And it didn't take very long before I realized, man, this is expensive. When I was collecting before, you're buying boxes of cards, full boxes at Sam's Club or whatever for $15, $20, maybe $25 was, was the, the middle of the road type stuff. And now this jumbo box, I just paid $100 for or whatever. This is going to get expensive. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with this, but it's going to add up real quick if I try to collect the way that I would like to collect. I need to figure out a way to help offset some of that cost. And I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset and, and an entrepreneurial approach to things. I enjoyed flipping and I'd flip random things here and there to, to make a little extra money. And, I, and so I kind of said, what can I do card related to be able to buy and sell to help offset the cost of my collection? And so that I can essentially have a goal of building my collection for free. And so that's when I started to do some buying and selling of collections, buying and selling of cards, trying to lock in boxes or cases at wholesale cost, you know, doing some pre-orders to be able to, to buy those cards as cheaply as possible, to be able to, to flip in order to self-fund the hobby. And, and that's really been my focus for the last three or four years now. Yeah. And I think there is so much that we can unpack there and just maybe talk about the some 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 learnings along the way with things that you have found in whether it's buying wholesale whether it's buying from a specific platform whether it's in person versus digital wh- however you want to take this but like what are some of the like if you were starting doing what you're doing today some of the things that you might eliminate and some of the things that you might double down on that you've seen better return to help self fund your collection yeah i think the biggest thing for me really kind of comes from one of the things that you talk about quite a bit, and that is going left when everyone else is going right. Yes. And one of the first things that I found that I had success with was primarily because I'm still a set collector at heart. And there's so much of the hobby that recently, and especially you know, as I was returning in 2016, so much of the hobby is focused on hits and autos and relics and super low serial numbered cards and those types of things. But I just wanted to build these sets. Well, the LCS in my area focuses more on that mid to high end stuff. And one of the first things you said is, ah, those base cards, they're, they're kind of worthless. You know, nobody goes after those anymore. And so we worked out kind of a deal where I would be able to pick up these big lots and quote unquote collections of just base and insert cards for pennies on the dollar which was great for me because that's what I wanted to do to, to build my sets. And then I started to have doubles and what am I going to do with doubles? And I ultimately found out that there was a site called Sport Lots that was heavily focused for set builders and selling these base and insert cards for 18 cents to a quarter to a dollar a piece, depending on what they were. And, you know, they've got some more higher end cards, but for me, that was the focus. And so I started listing all of these 
base and insert cards on sport lots. And I started out making an extra $25 a month and 50 and a hundred. And gradually that started to build. And it's like, this is great. I just built this set and just got $40 for all of these extras. I paid one or two cents a piece for them. And I was getting 18 cents to a quarter for them on, on sport lots. As that, as I started to have success, that just kind of was self fulfilling. I'd have some extra money. I'd buy another collection of these cards for a penny piece, list them and sell them for a quarter and rinse and repeat for four or five years. And I've been able to buy these collections of base and insert cards, super cheap. And over the last four or five years, I've built up an inventory of, I don't know, 140,000 cards on sport lots, similar things on comc.com where I've now got 50,000 cards or so on, on comc.com. So approaching 200,000 cards of inventory that has been completely paid for that I'm generating sales on now month after month. And it's low end. It's not slabs. It's not high end autos. It's all low end base and insert cards that are generating hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month in revenue for me to then be able to use to fill in the cards and sets and, and PC items. That is trading. I always like to talk about just whether it's a hobby or whatever, but treat it like you're running your own business. And that to me sounds like that's like running your own business where money's just coming in based on some hard work you're doing. And I have to ask, I'm fascinated by the set collecting and the amount of work that you're putting into making that happen. I got to ask in the process of building some of these low in these low end sets or maybe low end base cards, have you ever, is there an example of maybe some gems that maybe two, three years out that you've been loaded up with a certain or specific player that now maybe he was a prospect before, but now he's hitting, he's on the field and now he's maybe sniffing around the all-star game or something. Is there a specific player or card that you can think of that you just had loads of sitting around because you were collecting sets? I don't know that I'd say loads of. It happens pretty frequently, especially with a product like, especially in baseball, because baseball is so prospect driven and some of these sets are entirely built of prospects. And some of those prospects take three or four or five years to develop. And so there's definitely been times where I've got uh, stacks of Bowman loaded and turns out that three or four years, somebody gets a breakthrough and I've got 10 or 15 of them. Nothing earth shattering, but there's definitely times where that's come up later on. Basketball and football, it's a little bit harder to do that. But I still think the bigger thing for me is that base cards, there is a market for base cards and a lot of people overlook them and focus more on the the low numbered stuff and the autos and the relics. And so there's there's definitely times where I bought these big collections and people kind of had just dismissed all of the base cards in there when there's still a market for them. Yeah. And I would, you know, I would say to amplify that, it seems like the base card market is probably stronger, stronger than it's ever been. So I think the approach that you take, I think there's work that is involved with that and you're spending time make working that, but you've got this mentality that you want to self-fund your collecting through platforms like C or buying cards for pennies, that sort of thing. So I think that's super cool. And I think it's unique and not a, not a lot of other people are really talking about it. So I, I, I guess like talk me through like a month, a month goes through or two months goes through and you've hit on 
your bankroll is increasing just based on your sales. You're taking that money and you're going out and buying. Yeah. So there's a, a couple things there. So within both ComC and Sportlots, the way that I've got that set up is when I make a sale, it essentially builds my account on the site, my store credit on the site. And then I can either use that money to buy more cards directly on that platform or cash it out, right? And I'm usually doing a portion of that on the regular. So ComC, I've I've rarely cashed out mainly because I'm using my store credit to fund the processing fees for more cards that I'm sending in, or I'm picking up some of the one-offs that I want or, or that I need on the site. On Sport Lots, I split that a little bit more regularly where I cash out a big portion of that, but I'm leaving a few hundred dollars a month on the site itself to be able to to buy cards. Like this morning, I picked up those Hostess cards and spent about $250 or so on, on 70s Hostess cards that was all <laughs> directly from the store credit from some of my sales from the month of June. And so I'm getting all of these for for free, essentially. The money that I'm cashing out, I will either either buy other collections as they come up on Facebook, Marketplace, Craigslist, the LCS. As he gets in a big collection, picks off some of the higher end stuff that he wants, and he'll call me up and I'll come in and and pick up the rest of it and he'll pass that on to me. Um, so I've been buying some product on directly from Tops, some Project 2020 stuff, as well as some of the other pre-order Bowman Sapphire, some of those other direct-to-consumer products that Tops.com lists and primarily doing that to flip. And then occasionally, you know, there's a few boxes here and there that I just want to open for the fun of it and open some packs and open some boxes and yeah, I'll sell off the rest, but it's more of an entertainment piece. And so those are some of the things that I do. I'll buy lots on eBay from time to time when I find a good deal on those types of things, as well as, again, just filling in some other random items for my PC of things that I'm interested in. This year has been a little bit more set driven as well, just because I'm not buying as much sealed wax because of the inflated prices that wax is going for. And so I've kind of stopped pre-ordering a lot of the boxes and cases that I had done over the last several years. And I've just gone to picking up the complete set for 20, 25 bucks uh, when it's eventually hand collated by all the breakers. Yeah. And that, I think that is something that is very smart. And yes, you don't get that joy of ripping packs, but at the end you do get the complete set. And then there's so much opportunity with that set, whether it's keeping it in set form, pulling out the cards that you want to resell, taking, you know, the low end base and putting it to putting it on com C. I just, I'm very fascinated by just all of the moving pieces when it comes to opportunities and the sport card market and hobby. Before we get off the lots and the set topic, I have to ask because I'm super curious. You are buying these collection sets, lots. Give me an example of a time where whether it's Facebook, in person or whatever, you bought a lot. And then when you brought it back to your house and looked at it, you realized, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just purchased this for that price. There's so many gems or cool cards or different things that you weren't expecting. Do you have any stories that come to, to mind when when thinking about that? Yeah, I think there, there's one in particular of, I was in an LCS here in town and I had been looking at some cards and this this shop in particular has both coins and cards. And he's probably more focused on coins. 
And there was a customer in there who was also more focused on coins at the time. And he saw me looking at the cards. He said, hey, I've got a bunch of cards. I used to be collecting pretty heavily with my kids and they're not interested anymore and they're just taking up space. Would you be interested in coming over and checking it out? And maybe if you're interested, we could work out a deal. And I said, sure, yeah, I'll come, I'll come take a look. And it was, he's like, a lot of it's from the 80s and 90s. And I said, okay, that's good. And he's like, I know that's not worth a ton right now, but, and I was like, yeah, but I like going through it all. And, and I like that lower end stuff too. And so I worked, it, worked out a deal where we came over eventually. It took like three or four, like literally three or four months from the time when we had that conversation. He kind of always had something going on and eventually we worked it out. And so I went over and looked and it, it was big. He had it all in boxes and there was a lot of stuff and a lot of it wasn't very good, but there was some other boxes that seemed like they had some potential. And so we worked out a deal. I flipped through some of it and I think I bought it all for around $300 and it was probably 40 or 50,000 cards. It's, I've got some pictures of it all on, on the site, waxpackhero.com. I called it the treasure hunt series. But as I got home, I started going through and there are a few big things. So one was like, a Dan Marino rookie, a bunch of cards, Jerry Rice, a couple Jerry Rice rookies, some 30, 40, $50 type cards, but there was literally like 40 or 50 of those 30, 40 or $50 cards. Mm-hmm. And then there was a shoebox full of Michael Jordan cards. So oh, I don't know, 1200 Michael Jordan cards, something like that, that, that were all in there. And at the, at the time, that was before this recent run-up of Jordans and, and some of those you know, very common collector's choice type Jordans were, were still only 50 cents or whatever, but... I love those cards. Yeah, but for 300 bucks, I had... I mean, that was just one aspect, plus some complete sets, plus a lot of those other types of things that led to me adding to my inventory where I was going to be able to sell those for 18 cents to a quarter a piece and some inserts and things like that. And so... That's probably been one of my best collections that I knew I had potential for $300 just based on some of the initial quick look that I did, but I had no idea what it was ultimately going to return. Totally. I think the fun part about just visualizing that process and you going through this, because I just went through this when beginning of the year, when I got back into the hobby, first thing most people do when they get back to the hobby they call mom and dad and say, Hey, mom and dad, like, can you go look up in the attic and check to see if my binders and that stuff is still there? I did that. My dad said, yep, I found a load. And then I couldn't tell you the most fun I've had was going up in that attic and looking at all those cards and looking at how I organized them at that time, which was 20 years ago. And then now looking at the prices and looking through what I thought would be valuable and what didn't, obviously it seems like everybody was aware of that Michael Jordan cards were going to be great and put those aside. I did the same, but I think it's fascinating that in all the stories and just everything that can come out of just looking at those snapshots in time and then seeing how they were organized at one time and then how looking at it 20 years or whatever later, how they, how they um, are displayed. So I don't know, that's what I visualized as you were talking through that story. But I think that's getting those opportunities and going out, meeting people. Th- those are like unlocked gems, garage sales, that sort of thing. I think that there's opportunities within that. And I know we live in a primarily digital world right now where buying and selling happens and obviously with the virus and all that. But I think I would encourage people to follow you and share, listen to the stories that you share, because I think there's really good opportunities and just hitting the streets to find some really good gems out there like Dan Marino, Jerry Rice cards, you name it. And then 
putting them back on platforms and making a little money off of that. So that's, that's a great story. Yeah. One more thing that I just wanted to highlight is talk a lot about both on the blog and on the podcast about combining both the hobby and business sides of collecting. And for me, picking up these whole collections is the perfect combination of those two things. Because when I buy this collection of forty dollars or $50,000 cards, that's not something that you open up and go through in 20 minutes, like some of these higher-end boxes or whatever. That is oftentimes several weeks worth of entertainment for me. Grab one of the shoe boxes, go through it for an hour in the evening while I'm watching a, a show with my wife, whatever it might be. And so it's combining both that entertainment, picking up some of these cards that I'll then want to keep, but it is also adding that business element where I have that resale mindset where I know I'm going to be able to resell some of these things and make a profit on those cards. And so for me, those collections are that perfect combination of the hobby and business side of it. I love how you called that out. And that was actually a perfect segue into wax pack hero and one thing i talk a lot about is operating with nostalgia goggles but being mindful of financial opportunities and what you just described is that and so i want to talk about wax pack hero talk about maybe the story of why you started it and just the audience that you've built and just how much fun you're having with it. yeah the impetus of wax pack hero was helping other collectors navigate this new world of collecting. You know, it's, it's, there was so much that had changed from 1996 to 2015 when I got back into it. And there were so many lessons that I needed to learn. And some of those were from other collectors. Some of those were from the hobby shop owners. Some of those were from reading blowout forums. And I said, there's a lot of people like me, or there will be a lot of people like me who are stepping back into the hobby. I want to provide a resource for them to help navigate some of these changes. And I have found success with buying and selling some cards and, and creating a self-sustaining hobby. And there's things that I think other people can do to, to learn from those examples or learn from those methods that I've been using. And they want to try them. I want to show them how to try them. I want to show them how to ship cost-effectively. I want to show them some of those different strategies that they can use to, to buy and sell. And I also want to celebrate and enjoy these, these cards. And I want to celebrate the new cards that are coming out that I like. And I want to talk about some of the older cards or some of the overlooked oddball type cards that have, that have been issued in the past and be able to provide one source that kind of celebrates, again, the hobby and the business side of collecting. And so that's why I started the blog back in late 2017, I guess. So I'd been back into it for a couple of years before I launched that. And that really started to get me engaged in the hobby community from a social media presence and kind of add on those types of things. But that's really the story behind why I started the blog. I love it. And there's there in listening to you describe it, there is a lot of similarities in terms of your, let's see, three years in front of me, but it really started for me where things grab your attention, right? And being a fan of the sports. And I think obviously I, I'm a big fantasy basketball and uh, football player. I spent a lot of time watching sports, studying players, and I had, I took the, the, the chance on Zion at the beginning of the year in my hardcore fantasy league. And then he was injured enough. Obviously I had to hold on to him. So I was just consuming so much information on Zion and his injury and everything. And of course that led to cards again. And then I started digging in and 
understanding how different cards were now and how many products there were and how they worked and breaks and all that. And it was just so fascinating for me that I felt like I'm a collector. I've got, I collect all of these things. I've collected cards. I'm going to get back into cards and a player like Zion is a really good inspiration to do that. So as I jumped in and started to learn and understand the dynamics and how things were different, especially in this kind of digital age of collecting. One of the things I started to see, I started to make a lot of mistakes and started to spend a lot of money and I, COVID happened and I feel compelled to start sharing my story of like my mishaps and what I'm learning and what I'm thinking about. And I think that's what you're doing with Wax Pack Hero. And I think it's, going back and consuming your content is good inspiration for me and it helps motivate me. And I think I would just like put a exclamation point on this out to everybody. If you have a lot of thoughts and ideas and are passionate about sports cards, sports and have good intentions and want to meet a lot of good people, like go out and just start sharing information that can be tweets that can be Instagram posts, but the power that I found in the last several months of just connecting with other people just through social media and starting a podcast and sharing ideas, it's so powerful. Maybe can you talk about just that in general and like where your content has led you along the way? Yeah, sure. So it started, like I said, with the website. And when I started the website, I really started to crank up my presence on social media as well and and really to be able to help spread the word and try to get more eyeballs on the the content that I was producing and the side benefit from that was that it started to help me establish relationships with other content creators with other collectors with other people in the industry and and I started to have a lot of fun doing that as well so not only was I having fun with creating the content and celebrating the hobby but I was also having fun with these new uh, relationships that I was creating with other people in the hobby. And so that really started to to increase my Twitter presence. And I've got some, I've got an Instagram page, but I don't really put as much out there as I probably should on on Instagram. But that's really where that that cranked up. And and as I started to gain more traction, there's more awareness that was created and some other podcast hosts started to reach out to see if I would want to come on and talk a little bit about the website with them. And so you mentioned I think John Newman earlier with Sports Card Nation, he was one of the first podcasts that had me come on to talk about the site and what I was doing with the site. The About the Cards show was another one that had me come on as a guest and then ultimately come on as a fill-in guest host from time to time. And some of those experiences were what led me to want to decide to give a shot at podcasting as well as an extension to the site. And so in December of 2019, I started uh, the Wax Pack Hero podcast and it provided another chance for me to document and capture some of these things in kind of an evergreen format where people would be able to listen and reference that. And so I wanted to be able to provide an audio version for people to learn from. If they want to read, they've got the website that they can go to. And that's what kind of started that extension. And from a social media perspective, I listened to Gary Vee quite a bit. And he had been talking about TikTok for months and months and said, hey, I I don't know about TikTok, but I'm going to give it a shot and jump on there and see what things might be able to, to look like from a sports card perspective. And there was at that time, one other, uh, the Heroes for Sale, Adam from Heroes for Sale was, was somebody else who did some uh, TikTok sports card content. And so I talked with him a little bit and said, I'm going to give it a shot and see what can happen. And so 
I started a TikTok account where I was starting to share some information and just have some fun. And that's been growing like crazy for these last few months as well. And I just, I'm just having a lot of fun with, with all of it. Yeah. And as we rounded third and are heading home on this conversation, that, that is certainly a place I wanted to get to is just the TikTok deal. And it's, I'm with, I'm the same as you, man. I kept hearing Gary V, he wouldn't shut up about it. And I was like, you know what? If I'm starting this new podcast brand, I'm going to like not act like I'm an old dude and just try to get on there and see what it's all about. And I really want listeners and creators in the hobby to just go out and join. We need more people contributing on TikTok. It is loads of fun. I have I've made so many connections through the there's it's not very many people in the hobby right now are on it there. I've got like maybe 15, 20 people that I'm following regularly, but it is a really, really good channel to build and develop awareness for what you're doing in the hobby. And especially if you already have an existing platform, it's a no brainer. I've never seen a channel in an audience for me as a marketer that does digital marketing grow as quickly as TikTok has. And it's just, it's just tons of fun. So I can't put it over enough. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the Project 2020 Mike Trout TikTok video that you dropped because it's caused a little bit of buzz for me in stacking slabs. But first, maybe for people who haven't seen the video, it was one of the most, I'm sorry, it, I'm kind of capitalizing on your pain, I guess, but it was one of the most absurd slash hilarious things I've ever seen since re-entering the sport card <laughs> hobby. So maybe talk through that because I like honestly can't believe it's even real. Yeah. So I had been experimenting with a couple different 2020 purchases, Project 2020 purchases. And I hadn't gotten too deep yet at that point, but I bought uh, one of the, the samples that I bought was some of the Mike Trout cards. And I sold them all to one customer in California and shipped them. He paid right away, shipped them, didn't hear anything for about a week or so. And then ultimately he said, hey, the cards haven't arrived. They've just been kind of stuck in shipping for like a week. Can you look into what's going on? And so I said, sure. And so I looked up the tracking number and it said, con it said alert contact customer service on the USPS thing. And so I called them and they're like, uh, yeah, it looks like there was a mail truck fire and your, your uh, shipment was completely destroyed. So you want to go ahead and, and initiate your insurance claim and all of that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, great. So I let the buyer know and refunded him for his purchase price. And, you know, I bought those direct from top. So I was out 60 bucks or something for the five cards that I had sold him. And about a week later, there was an alert on that shipping notification that said, package has arrived in final destination. I'm like, wait, what? You said these were like destroyed. And so the they showed up at the buyer's house and he showed me some pictures and they were, the box was wrapped in saran wrap or cellophane of some kind. And he's like, let me take a look. He's like, it, it showed up. Let me take a look when I get home from work. And he opens it up and he's like, yeah, they're completely waterlogged and wet and and whatnot. Do you want them back? And I said, sure, send them on back. So he loads them up, sends them back to me. I get them, get them back. And uh, yeah, you can still see the moisture inside the cards. They'd been doused with a fire hose and sat in this water for two or three weeks now at this point by the time I got them back. And so 
there were a couple of them that for whatever reason looked almost perfect. They didn't get as wet or the water stayed out of those. I don't know if they were on top or whatever, but those were almost perfect, smelled a little bit like smoke, but then there were a couple other ones that were just completely destroyed. And when I opened the mag case, they just fell apart almost in a, a pile of mush and plastic cellophane. And that's kind of what I was recounting. But it was, yeah, the craziest story. I've never had anything like that happen. But ultimately, ultimately, you know, the the insurance claim because they were damaged and, you know, the insurance claim was able to to recoup some money. And there's been actually some collectors who wanted a piece of that story and have bought them from me for 15 bucks um, just oh so that they gosh. could have one of these mail truck fire trout cards. And so it, it hasn't been a complete disaster, but yeah, it created a lot of fun. It created some good content. You know, I got 9,000 views of that video, but then you duetting that, what are you over a hundred thousand views now just doing the duet with that video? Yeah. I looked before this conversation and I'll be honest with you. So every time I open up my TikTok app, there are more people liking that. And I get followers from that. Like it's the gift that keeps on giving from like a content perspective, but there it's at a hundred and about to approach 120,000 right now. It's if you hit the hobby hashtag, it's the fifth video at the top, which, and I'm telling everyone, and this is why I encourage people to get on TikTok, is that I was sitting upstairs in my hobby room watching pro wrestling. I saw Mike's video. I watched it one time and I literally was new to TikTok. And I said, there's these duets things. Maybe this will be funny to like do a reaction video to it. And it just, it, it literally exploded. And it's just, I don't say anything. I just like, res- my face kind of tells the whole story of what probably, I think it resonates with everyone because it's it's exactly what everyone else is feeling and seeing when they watch that video for the first time. So um, it's crazy, but yeah, that video, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really glad you're on and we can finally talk about it. But that thing is just, keeps it has its legs and i think it just ties a couple things together it's just a really really absurd cool story that you shared and i'm glad you did and then i responded and then people seem to enjoy it so yeah i punchline get on tiktok we need more people in the hobby on tiktok and share your content it's a ton of fun yeah i think it's great and i think that's a great example of i've got 9000 views on the actual video And you've got 12 times that just responding to it. And that's the power of what TikTok can do. You can take and partner with other people's content with a duet like that and add your own twist to it with your facial expressions and the things that you did and gain even more of that attention. And that benefits you and that benefits me. Got a video, one of my other videos, my all-time best video has nothing to do with cards. It's me saving this giant snapping turtle from the overflow of our neighborhood pond. And me putting that on there with the hashtag save the turtles, visco girl type, whatever, <laughs> that's got over 600,000 views wow. on TikTok. And it's, and it's something that we almost didn't do. My daughter went out there with me and I was like, hey, let's video this. Maybe we can stick it out on TikTok. But we almost went out there without even thinking about it. But 600,000 views later, that's there. And so I've been having a ton of fun there. Some trying to to put good informational, quick takeaways, sports card content. Some trying to just have some fun turning some of the other 
dances or memes or things that are going on on TikTok and mm-hmm. kind of putting a sports card twist to them. And those don't always have the same traction as some of the flip videos or those types of things that I put out, but I'm having a ton of fun doing it. And I think that's a thing that you can't forget when we're talking about this hobby is have some fun with it. It doesn't have to be all business all the time. You can have some fun. That is an unbelievable, unbelievably great way to close this out. And I love, that's what it seems like everyone's saying. And I say it at the end of the day, you should wake up and you should be excited about the hobby. It's ton of fun. It is. I'm spending so much time just enjoying life because of it. And there's just so many opportunities and people you can meet along the way. Where, Mike, where can people find you online? Where can people find Waxpack Hero? Yeah. So the website waxpackhero.com is kind of the central landing point. You can find the link to the podcast, uh, which is available on all the, all the podcast platforms as well. Follow me on Twitter at the Mike summer, and you can follow me on TikTok at waxpack hero. That is awesome. Thank you so much for being on. Now we we've got 120 views on this Mike Trout project, 2020 fire story card. We've got a while and I want to be patient about it, but challenge to you at some point, we've got to top that. We got to keep going. We're a duo. We're a tag team champs in the hobby on TikTok right now. We we need to keep it going. That sounds good to me. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Man, that was a ton of fun. As always, that is a really good dude who just loves the hobby. I think he's got a lot of sound perspective and definitely go follow Wax Pack Hero. Go to the website. He's just got a ton of information. Follow him on Instagram. Follow Mike Summer on Twitter. Find him on TikTok too. Can we get more people to join the TikTok revolution of the hobby? It really feels like there's only a few of us right now. We need more. So definitely expand your horizons. Get a little uncomfortable. Join us on TikTok. Say what's up. Hit that follow button. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Stacking Slabs. Leave that five-star review. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Happy collecting. Happy investing. Have a great one.